0: non-binary transmasculine pansexual trisexual gender non-conforming living in 2022 these terms are everywhere so what do they mean join us as i sit down with gen Zer east Evanson, who identifies as all of those things as they explain to a boomer like me the power of language and self-identification, the freedom of being fluid, and discuss how today's LGBTQ culture compares to the iterations that came before. I'll be drinking heaven's door again. What about you? I would like to take this opportunity to welcome East Edmondson to our podcast, and we're going to be talking about several subjects, but one of them is the non-binary world. And so thank you, East, for joining us. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: There are two questions I ask of every guest just to get their input onto it. But what generation are you in?
1: Generation Z.
0: Z. And so how do you think your generation Z is perceiving the world?
1: I don't know. I think there's my view is that compared to like what I've heard from my mom's point of view of how the world used to be like, I think. The world is more progressive now. I see the world as a very nice place. There's definitely things that could be better. There's things that could be worse. But I see the world as like a very bright thing. I right. like being in this world. I like the generation I'm in.
0: Great. One of the other things that I've been asking is, do you, as a Generation Z, do you have any uh, thoughts on the aging process or the philosophy of aging?
1: Not really. <laughs> Kind of just aging happens. You can't really stop it. Can't reverse it. Can't make it go any slower. Can't make it go any faster. Kind of happens at the rate it's at. And you just have to learn and grow with that.
0: Right. Yeah, I think I'm I'm part of the boomer generation. So I'm quite a bit older than you are on the spectrum of generations but i think one of the aspects that i find and and appreciate about the z generation is that you guys are really more open to things and a little more progressive in thoughts and movements and so that's what i really appreciate about the z generation is that they're going to probably change the world as well as the millennials so that's great Absolutely. How has your personal journey evolved that has led you to this point in your life?
1: Well, when I was younger, I identified as female for majority of my life so far. And I liked a bunch of boys. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then all of a sudden in fifth grade, I liked my girl best friend. And I was mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with me? Because I had never heard about the LGBTQ plus community. And so I was scared why I liked this girl when I identified as one myself. And so I went to my mom sobbing while we were at the beach, as one does. And she's like, it's fine. I like girls too. And I think from there, I learned a lot about the community and found myself more as a person. Because when that first moment happened, I was so confused and didn't know like what was happening. And then now I feel confident in sexuality-wise. I like whoever I like. I identify as pansexual. Gender-wise, I don't have a term, like a full term that I'm like, well, that sounds perfect yet. It's just non-binary, trans-masculine, umbrella term transgender. But I think... The way that it has evolved from me being scared of, oh my God, I like someone who identifies the same as me to me now being so open and like, I know who I am. I think that's was a very good personal journey for me because I found myself, which feels very good.
0: So if someone is having a similar journey as yours, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: Advice-wise, I'd say if you have Or if, like, you know, you have a good support system, people who will understand, that's how I found myself. I had my mom, I went to her, asked, like, mentioned that I liked this girl. And then she, like, told me about the community. And I was like, oh, okay, so it's not wrong. This is a thing that exists. Going from there, then I started having, like, more friends who were, who identified the same or just in the same community. And I learned more about identities that way. And then I had a friend who came out to me as trigender and they talked about non-binary then as well. I was like, oh, actually, that sounds a lot like how I've started to feel about myself or like how I've kind of felt for the past year, finding those people feel similar ways or like the internet. I use the internet a lot to find different terms, which is where I found transmasculine and pansexual. I didn't know what that was until... Well, seventh grade, I think. But I used the internet to find that.
0: Help me understand in our audience. Transmasculine, what is the definition of that term for the Uh, LGBTQ plus community?
1: Well, the way that I use it is a rough definition that I found. Granted, I found it four years ago now, so I do not remember exactly, but it's a term for people who feel more masculine. And in this case, since I'm non binary, but leaning more towards the masculine side, it seemed fitting. I'm like, I'm not, it sounds weird to phrase it this way, but I'm not fully trans. Right. Like, as people identify like female to male, male to mm-hmm. female, I'm still they, them is like the top, mm-hmm. which is where the non binary comes in. But right. trans is like the feeling of masculinity, I guess. As a shorter definition.
0: Well, uh, transmasculine, I think, would probably be something about where you are and what you identify with. More masculine, more feminine. Neither one of them are good or bad. It's just your individual journey that allows you to probably feel more toward the masculine side or no side or to the feminine side. Yeah. Um, Because it
1: is definitely a spectrum. There's not like you are feminine, you are in between you're masculine, there's different levels to it.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think that's a great reference, the levels as well as a spectrum of where people fall on these categories, evidently, that people like to put us in. And so that necessarily doesn't mean that that is the only definitions. And I think for my generation, we had to take a really hard look at getting out of those definitions that society has placed on us. So I think you have the advantage of doing the spectrum of knowing that and identifying within that spectrum. And a lot of older GLBTQ plus individuals did not. So I think that's a great aspect and maybe something that uh, hopefully we have spearheaded that you're able to do that now as a Generation Z person. So pansexual, what helped me understand that a little bit.
1: For me, I just kind of use it as I love anyone regardless of gender. I know that like pansexual and bisexual are very similar definition wise, but pansexual feels more like a fluidity. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. If I didn't know somebody's gender and then I found out their gender, it wouldn't change anything. And it feels more freeing than bisexual because bisexual is normally stigmatized as you like masculine or you like feminine. And there's not that. Spectrum that's often talked about because I do realize like bisexual is not that, although that is what a lot of people think. But I think pansexual, yeah, it feels more fluid than what bisexual is known as.
0: And I think that's a good point you brought out, East, is that the bisexual label either goes to the on the spectrum to the far feminine side or the far masculine side. And you're either liking both but in that is a spectrum of why you like like the individual why you've chose this person to be your partner and uh, how that can affect individuals now coming in that they have those choices and I think that's that's an excellent uh, definition and an excellent example of that thank you non-binary so that's another term that maybe our individuals listening to our podcast might not know the definition or what that means could you help me with that
1: yeah so i say the way i define it because i know other people that i've talked to don't Mm -hmm. define it the same way but for me it's just like that middle point where i don't feel like too feminine i don't feel too masculine though i'm more lean on that side but it's like that middle part where it just kind of feels like i'm existing in this cloud where i'm not stuck to one side right uh although of course because society there is still that oh you were born a female you are such mm-hmm. or you were born male you are such but i think for me the they them pronouns is very free because it's not stuck to one or the other it's just kind of that middle point
0: and it reminds me of the um the porridge little fairy tale where it's either too hot, too cold, but it's just right. So I think binary is just right for for some individuals. So that's great. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's how you really um, identify and able to have that identification is very important, especially for younger individuals that are within the LGBTQ plus community. How has your journey impacted yourself and others?
1: Well, for me, it's made... A lot of things make sense, but on my mom's side of the family, the people like the immediate family is very understanding and they get it and they try their hardest to do it. But then the further family, like great aunts and great grandparents don't really get it. So there's kind of this barrier because they will refuse to use pronouns or refuse to use the name I prefer and say with like my dad's side except they're slightly worse like my grandfather on my dad's side refuses to use preferred name or pronouns at all because it goes against his ideas of what people should be right and there's definitely been Facebook things posted that were very targeting for like specifically trans individuals Right. And so there's been this impact of oh wow, it feels like my family hates me because they don't get my gender or sexuality identity. And so there's been like it went from a very loving and very close like relationship to kinda distant and like we don't really talk anymore, but if we need to we do. Super sucks because I love my family and I know they still love me, but there's it feels like there's less love now Mm -hmm. that I'm Myself,
0: right. I'm saddened to hear that because all of us tend to experience that at some point. Stacy Rice, who I, is the trans woman that I interviewed uh, for one of our podcasts, was said she's from North Carolina, and she said I have relatives in North Carolina that are Trumpsters, very conservative, but they still love me, and I think that is interesting in the concept how you can have these definitions and these biases but still love the individual so that yeah. what we have to do is we have to get rid of the biases and uh, yeah. hopefully that'll come come about. How do you think just being yourself is part of, of overcoming the biases, but uh, how else do you think individuals who have this type of bias might, uh, might uh, help bridge that gap with their family members? Do you have any sense of how to do that?
1: I mean, seeing as I'm not, I haven't been able to Really break that with my own family. Right. Not really sure. Although I know within like during COVID, I had some other family that was more like, I don't understand it and I don't care to understand it. But they've more so come into actually using my preferred Mm -hmm. name and pronouns because I think they realized, oh, this isn't just like a phase because I know that a collection of them, they're not going to stay this way forever. Like this is just a phase. They're going to grow out of it. And then they will be the perfect granddaughter, perfect kid again. Yeah. But I think especially because most of the family that doesn't support me lives in Nebraska. So the Midwest, which is where those super strong ideals come from, because that's the way they were raised in that state. And so not being able to see me for that long and only seeing like online things of things I was doing, which included Mm -hmm. some events for the community, they're like, oh, well, maybe we should start understanding more so that yeah. like we don't totally ruin things.
0: I think one basically. of the things that, that I've seen is that individuals that have younger children and those younger children are much more accepting of individuals. Yeah. And so sometimes they've been able to educate those individuals and say, it's really no big deal. We're all individually in doing it. It's the older generation, such as myself, that we don't have that perspective uh, sometimes of having younger individuals or others point out things because our environment is such, like you said, in the Midwest, that it's very entrenched in those conservative type value systems. And mm-hmm. I think we're, we're gonna have to break away from that. There's been some successes I have an, a cousin of mine who uh, 60 late 60s became her son also as GLBTQ+. and she became and she was a conservative type of Christian background came very supportive and now she does the hug mom mom hug movement is in that mm-hmm. one P flag which is great and then my little 92 year old mother back when she was 80 something became very supportive myself and my husband so I think that's really there are little bright spots out there but we have to look for those but hopefully your generation will not have some of these things uh, as other generations transition out so which is good when you identify as non-binary we've talked a little bit about that that represents that you're in the middle so you really don't have the the labels I guess is that correct yeah to, to do that And so how does that make you feel just not having the labels as part of of your identification as yourself?
1: I think for me, it just feels more freeing, as I said earlier, Uh because the labels feel like you're kind of trapped in a box that society has given you, which society's views on things isn't always the best with like anything, including like gender or like body image.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like being able to break away from that box and have this spot that feels like me, it's yeah, just like a freeing feeling. I can more, what's the word I'm looking for? Move around more, yeah. I guess, and like be able yeah. to explore myself more because I'm not confined in this tiny box of right. who I should be when that's not who I feel I
0: am. One of the things that I'm looking at for future uh, episodes of podcast is rural versus urban. And I think the experience of maybe being non-binary and part of the LGBTQ plus community is probably much easier than uh, in urban areas that it is in like the small community that I grew up in. So I hope to have a discussion at some point about the challenges that those individuals have versus uh, urban challenges. So look forward to that that episode as well so what are your thoughts on youth transition and do you have any plans to transition yourself
1: our uh, youth transition I mean if somebody knows who they are that I hate c- stating it this way but like that young if they know who they are and they know who they want to be I don't see any problem with youth transition although I know many people do it gets put onto the parents like, oh, it's the parents' fault. Why are they letting their kid do this so young? They don't really know who they are. But I've met plenty of people who were 11 when they started transitioning and they're happy and feel totally free now that they've grown up and like they went through puberty Mm -hmm. with being who they are. Yeah, my thoughts on youth transition in short are very positive. I know there's like Maybe some cases where like in the end it doesn't feel right for them, but then the people I've seen where that is the case, they've just been able to detransition and go back to an identity that fits them. For me personally, I hate the thought of needles and like surgeries, but I have thought about like top surgery for four years. Mm-hmm. Because binders can be very uncomfortable if you wear them for long periods of time, which is normally when I wear them because it's when I go to like weddings or go out to fancy events and they can go for super long periods of time and the binder just gets super... Uncomfortable, and it would be nicer to be able to just not have to deal with it, but also not feel super dysphoric about having a visible chest that other people can see. Right. And like with any sort of testosterone, yet again, terrified of needles, that probably won't happen, but it has been a process that's crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's needles. Although I know that there are like pills and I don't remember if there's testosterone patches or not, but I know there's other options. But right. testosterone has been like a do I would I really want to do that in a transition or not? So I think for mm-hmm. now that's not a plan in my transition. But hopefully yeah. someday top surgeries will okay. occur.
0: Well, it's still an evolving process, I'm sure for you. On yeah. Do you have any trans individuals that have been? that you have looked up to are used as role models for the Gen Z
1: Um, generation? There are a few people. There's Alex Aaron, who's like a Instagram influencer, social media influencer. And I looked up to him for a really long time and I was like, that's going to be me someday. I'm going to be able to feel completely free and like have top surgery and have people understand and know me as me. And then mm-hmm. there's also in the music video for the village by Ravel, there's an actor that was there who's trans. I believe his name is August now. I lost his social media, so I don't remember if there was a name change or anything, but I also looked up to them for a really long time because I was in that music video, they show like the start of their transition, which I was Oh my God, that's how I feel. That feels so cool to see it displayed in a music video that is exactly about not feeling like yourself and wanting to feel free and not having like family understand. So
0: So it it appears to me that trans women tend to go in more, have a little more exposure than trans men in the media world and social media, and especially in the entertainment. So. Yeah,
1: I see a lot like on TikTok, which I use quite often. Yes. There's I see more trans women than I do see like trans men. So there are also a few of them that I follow. But I think the majority of the ones I see that are at least open about their identities, because I know some people aren't, mm-hmm. but the majority of them are female, which they're also my role models, but not in like in the same way as a trans man would be. Right, Because seeing how happy they are in their transitions, I love to see it. And I'm like, I hope that someday I feel that happy and confident, but not in that transitioning to feminine that they yeah. do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that in my goal for it, for the LGBTQ plus community is there's no label for anybody we're just all individuals and human beings yeah so hopefully we can get to that point um and do that but uh, yeah it's it's a it's a process and lgbtq plus individuals have uh, led the forefront just because we're courageous to be honest with you we've put ourselves yeah. out there and doing what we need to do how can individuals in community assist in making a difference within the non-binary trans community.
1: Well, I know with non-binary, at least, if more people could be understanding of they, them being like a singular pronoun for somebody, right? that would be wonderful. Because if you see a wallet on the ground, you're like, oh, this person forgot their wallet. I wonder whose it is. If you don't know what they look like, you commonly use they, them pronouns for that said right. person. And you're talking about a singular person in that case. So understanding that that is a thing that can happen even if you're looking at somebody would be probably the biggest difference that would that could occur. Because I see that's a lot of people's issues with the non-binary community. It's, it doesn't make sense to use a plural pronoun as somebody's singular pronoun, even though it already exists as such. Right when you don't know what a person looks like. But I think moving that knowledge to the non-binary community would be making a huge difference.
0: (laughs) Well, it's something we need to strive for. And something I've learned a long time ago is the lens I look through things. And sometimes I have to really put a different lens on to say, oh, we need to look at this situation this way, or I need to be honoring of the individual more this way to do Mm -hmm. that. So hopefully we'll be able to switch the lenses a little bit when it comes to uh, supporting the non-binary community that way. I think you're absolutely right. We need to look at everybody as just being a a person and the labels aren't there. So that's great to be able to do that. Does the LGBTQ plus community encompass the non non non-binary community, and if it does, is what's it doing right? And if it doesn't, what can we do to make it more inclusive?
1: I think with the community I'm in in Southeast Portland, well, in Portland, Oregon, in general, it's very open with the community. But I know, like, if I go back to Nebraska and I find the community there. It's different, but in Portland at least, I feel like the non-binary community is very supported and like welcomed because in bridging voices in my LGBTQ choir, there's a lot of people who identify as non-binary and they feel totally welcomed and safe there. But then like if I went back to Nebraska, you'd feel less welcomed as an identity. Right. And I think it's because that same idea of they, them doesn't work for a singular person. There's more boxes.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that thought process doesn't really happen, at least in the community I found here. There's a large amount of us, so it's just kind of knowledge that's swept across Mm -hmm. the community that feels more open to like new things as well as like neo-pronouns feel more supported in Portland. So I know a lot of people I know don't personally use them, but there's a lot of stories from friends that I hear about their friends and they feel mostly safe with that as well.
0: I think it has to do with the culture a little bit East. Portland culture tends to really honor differences and individuals and those individuals do feel supported. I think the culture back in some of the rest of the states, uh, are is not there. Might be in larger yeah. urban areas, but not in the other areas. And so, hopefully, that culture will grow within those those areas where it needs to, so that we can all be the same. But you're absolutely yeah. correct. I think Portland is a different culture for that. Absolutely,
1: yeah, definitely one of the more open ones I've been to because both of my parents like to travel a lot. So I've been Mm -hmm. to most of the states. There's still like a lot in the East Coast that Mm -hmm. I haven't been to, but most of them, yeah, the culture, especially around like the LGBTQ plus community is completely different than here in Portland. That's right. There's just different views.
0: And and I think one of the aspects of that, because I came from Texas, uh, which is very conservative now. Um, but I think it has to do with the Christianity views within those states as well. And there tend to be more black and white and not understanding there is a lot of in between the two. And that yeah. it's okay to have that in between our gray area. So I think that's probably one of the major difference I've noticed since I've been up here uh, in the Northwest is that we tend to have a much better culture of acceptance than some other places. So how would you describe the future for the non-binary in other generations?
1: Well, I think I have a lot of conversations with my mom about how it was like for her in high school. And listening to that compared to like what my experience in high school was, I feel like the LGBTQ plus community is becoming more welcomed and same with like non-binary I have some people on TikTok that I follow where when they were super young, it just didn't exist openly. It was like, if you knew about it, you knew about it. If you didn't, well, (laughs) shucks, you don't know about it. Yeah. So I think then compared to now, it's grown more as like a thing that's known and a thing that's welcomed into the community. And it's, I've noticed it's become a very, common identity for a lot of people who don't feel like either box of like feminine or masculine fit them because i think majority of people i know who are well aren't in a box of being cisgender or aren't in like transgender they'd commonly identify as non-binary compared to like gender fluid uh trigender and all of these of uh, I. There's too many for me to remember the name right now, but all of these other like non-binary type identities. Right. I think it's grown so far from then to now that I feel like it's based on current views and like conversations I see people having, it'll just continue to grow in the future and become a more common thing to like talk about and to see and to have support for.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I, I think the really good thing that I've seen about it is because my age group there were you know you're either gay, straight, or lesbian. There were no other terms out there. Uh, yeah. I didn't know what bisexual was uh, growing up, and it was, came much later. So it's good that we've expanded our views of what sexuality means, but what the person means as well. And so I'm very pleased to see that happen. And uh, again, my I I just hope that continues that we're going to be accepting of the individuals that we understand that not everybody can fit into these boxes that society has created for For us. So as a non-binary person, how does that reflect in like dating or other types of things? I know we talked a little bit about it just being the person not tied to that. Is that, Pretty well how that affects affects you in the dating scene?
1: Yeah. Well, in the past I had dated somebody who identified as a man when we first started dating, but throughout the relationship, he wanted to try out they them pronouns and I was, okay, I'll still love you the same. And so we did that and then like he realized, uh, oh, never mind, that doesn't work. And so he went back to them eventually. But him exploring didn't change any of my views on him. Like exploring right. his identity. And then like I met somebody online because of course my generation is online. Well, I've met multiple people online, but they identified as like non-binary. And so like they, she pronouns. Right. And it didn't make me love them any less than like this other person I had dated two years, four years prior. Right now, my current partner is. Gender fluid with they, he pronouns and cool. (laughs) Like that's your identity. It fits you. I'm glad that you're able to feel comfortable with that. And I know there's been like from the time we first started dating, there's even been question of what he feels fits them. So there's been like some changes in what they use to describe themselves, but I don't love them any less.
0: Right. Well, that's just so uh, beyond my concept because I didn't grow up with that and doing it. So I just really am just in awe that you are able to do this. That's have these discussions and do that. So that that's amazing to me that that we have come this far within the LGBTQ plus community, community, committee, community (laughs) that we're able able to 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 do that. Do you think the Generation Z is a little more in tune with social justice type of, such as, you know, rights for others, uh, Black Lives Matters? Do you think you are more of a generation that's going to, to really take the social justice banner and go with it?
1: I mean, from the, like the friends that I have and the people I know, there is definitely a lot of support for social justice. Like I had so many friends and like myself and my mom and my younger sibling, we would go to like the Black Lives Matter marches and we, right. and like protests that we knew words would be safe because for a while they were unsafe and we wouldn't take a 10, 11 year old to that and put them in danger. But I know a lot of like my friends and myself tried to show as much support as we could and tried to get things to change and we still are working towards that because it's not something that's easy to do since there's so much past traumas I guess or right. like past ideas that are really hard to move from right but compared from I I don't even know how many years ago but when when I was younger probably 10 years ago compared to now I do see like a lot of change and especially like support with my generation trying to help things move forward in the thought process and like get better if we're able to do that. Because it is extremely hard to change people's like that processes on things. And so we know it's not gonna be easy at all. But sure. there's still that hope that at least some things will change and some things will maybe not get better but be okay again. Or like right. okay. Finally?
0: And I think that for me, I've seen a, a step backwards. Uh, you know, we had Roe Ro versus Wade. We've had that one law in many, many years. We had the uh, gay marriage going on and the mm-hmm. taxes. And I see that stepping back a little bit, especially with the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. So I think it's going to have to be all generations coming together for social justice because we put for up sure. a fight back in the 80s and nineties, when we were trying to get just AIDS, for example, trying to meet the needs for those individual and make the government responsive. Now we're gonna to have to go back and do the same thing for quality for marriage. Uh, women's mm-hmm. rights, I think is taking a heavy hit with what has happened. So I think we're all gonna to have to get together and come together to make a social justice change in the US. For that. And I think yeah. it's going to be reach across it. So I want to thank you for being part of our discussion today. Is there anything else you would like to share with us about your experiences? Uh, any thoughts?
1: I mean, I have many thoughts, but well, they're all mixed together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I understand that. Absolutely. Well, it's been a great pleasure. East. Thank you so much for being part of the discussion and, uh, Good luck, and hopefully uh, we'll meet in person one of these days.
1: Yeah, and thank you for having me. This is a very cool thing to do, and I'm excited that I'm able to be a part of it.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Bourbon with Beagle, presented by me, Gary Beagle. Be sure to subscribe to Bourbon with Beagle on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you are listening now. I would like to thank my producer, Dan Bruton, of SignalCast and my digital media and marketing specialist, Aaron Haley. Without them, Bourbon with Beagle would not be possible.